Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Weeks, and we have a special guest here. Hi, it's me, Murph. Uh, I'm here. I work at the Command Zone podcast. I do game nights, extra turns, all sorts of fun stuff. And we get to talk about a very lovely topic today, don't we, Rachel? Yeah, rules. We love rules. rules. (laughs) We've all been at the commander table where something happens and everyone at the table looks around and goes, does anyone know what happens next? (laughs) How does that work? How Does anyone know how this works? What now? (laughs) Now. Uh, and none of the players know how to resolve it. And then you're sort of forced into this awkward position where we're like, well, I guess we could just assume, let's just say this is how it works. (laughs) And everyone's like, okay, sure. (laughs) All right, and and then you move on. But today we're going to talk about some of those rules, especially the ones that come up the most Mm -hmm. commonly, uh, and talk about what the actual rule is there. And a lot of these I have gotten wrong multiple times. A lot of these Murph has gotten wrong multiple times. But we've checked and double checked. And this is how they work. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into it, we've got to take a quick moment to say you can support the show and you can get your magic cards by going to cardkingdom.com slash command. We love Card Kingdom because they have a huge inventory of magic cards so you can get exactly the printing that you're looking for in exactly the condition you're looking for. Your commander players, I know you're picky about which cards you pick up. I'm picky too. So I'm always happy to go to Card Kingdom where I can order all of the cards I want in one place. And then they'll show up with one package, which means you only pay shipping one you're only tracking one package you're only worried about one getting lost in the mail and it shows up on your door and it's like christmas right you open them and you just leave them all up and now your deck is ready to play so once again go to cardkingdom.com slash command to pick up all of the magic singles and sealed product you need while supporting the show you can also support the show by going to ultrapro.com slash command to pick up all of the magic accessories that you want in your life. We're talking about sleeves and deck boxes and play mats and dice and wall scrolls. Uh, UltraPro really has it all and it's all very high quality. I love UltraPro because they have the official licensing for magic products, which means that if I really fall in love with a card, I can go to UltraPro and see if I can get it on a play mat, if I can get it on a deck box or sleeves and I can really show off the art that I really love about this game. Uh, Plus, Ultra Pro always has, like, steep discounts. Like, every so often I'll go on the website and it's just like... Yeah, yeah, and and you're just like, oh, yeah, everything's 40% off today. You're like, what? (laughs) Oh, oh, I'll take that and that and that. Thank you very much. (laughs) I love the satin cubes in particular. If there's a big sale, I'll pick up a ton of satin cubes all at the same time. So once again, go to ultrapro.com slash command to protect your cards, keep them organized, and make them look cool as well. Uh, The other way that you can support the show is directly by going to patreon.com slash command zone. That is how you can join our team. You can get 
perks from the command zone. You can uh, see extra turns and game nights a day earlier than the general public. You can help us catch little mistakes and uh, help us edit it before the final release. Uh, We always love that contribution from our patrons. But also you get access to exclusive content like Turn Talks, which is just a chat after every extra turns game, which is just like how it went. Yeah, I, I love Turn Talks because everybody has a chance to sit down, talk about the game that just happened. We'll always mm. film it like immediately after the game happened. Yeah. And so usually whenever you play a game of Magic, there's always the, oh, I wish I could have done this. Or, oh, there's this that could have happened. And you get those moments sitting down with the players raw. Yeah. And it's a really, really good time. Ugh, I wish I could have drawn this. This card yeah. really overperformed. This one's coming out of the deck as soon as I get off camera. <laughs> uh, it's a ton of fun. Make sure that you become a patron for Turn Talks and all of our other perks. Again, we shout out one lucky patron every episode and this episode is dedicated, dedicated to Samantha, Samantha Burbank. Burbank. Thanks, Samantha. You rock. You rock. Yeah. All right, Merv, let's get into the main topic here. We're talking about rules that commander players repeatedly get wrong. Yes. Yeah, so. You, me, everyone in the office, <laughs> we keep getting these wrong. <laughs> yeah. So rules are... Magic rules are very, very complicated. (laughs) Thing number one, (laughs) if you've played Magic for any amount of time, you probably know this already. And Commander really, like, extrapolates that. It really shows the complications. Right. Because even if you just play a couple drafts or so, you don't usually run into the complicated rules interactions that you do in a multiplayer Commander format. Yeah. So there's, there's just a lot of stuff that you're not always sure about. You're like, how does this interact with this? Uh, that we're probably going to go over or something that maybe you just have never learned yeah, from the I love rules. This. Yeah. Because like commander players, we play a casual format. We tend to we tend to shortcut things. Yes. We tend to uh, just assume things or just if you play in a certain play group, you all sort of adopt the same rules and mm-hmm. play that way, whether it's the correct rules or not. So uh, we also pulled a lot of these from comments and confusion that we've gotten from games uh, like extra turn games or game nights games. Yep. So stuff that people People will get in the comments and be like, why did it work that way? We're going to walk through some of those and hopefully refer to games that you've seen and loved. So stay with us. We're going to be going through quite a few rules here. Most of them. I am excited to have hammered into my <laughs> All own brain. All of them I'm excited yeah. to have. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into this first one because I think it's sort of a... Um, it's not a little known fact, but yeah. but it's it's something that, that commander players tend to skip over. Yeah, something that commander players shortcut or perhaps don't know and they get wrong is mulligans, mm-hmm. right? So whenever you mulligan, people just kind of all like shuffle up and start taking their mulligans like super casually. Mm-hmm. They don't really have a specified like turn order in how they mulligan or anything like that. Or they're just like mulliganing and they're like, oh yeah, uh, we should probably roll to see who goes first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel, here you go, roll the dice and we'll figure that out after mm-hmm. we've mulligans. But the correct way to do things is you need to determine who goes first before you mulligan. Now, why does this matter, Rachel? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think... This is this is a rule that I understood in 1v1, yeah. where it's like you roll first and then you mulligan, and that really, it's really uh, affected by like the, do I have an extra draw or do I, or am I on the play? Yes. Like, am I on the play or am I on the draw? But in multiplayer, you're always on the draw. So exactly. we just sort of like, eh, whatever. But there are cards that are better or worse depending on where you are in the turn cycle. Exactly. So probably the most common one, at least in higher powered commander tables, Mm -hmm. is gemstone caverns. 
Uh, so Gemstone Caverns is a land that if it's in your opening hand and you're not the starting player, you may begin the game with Gemstone Caverns on the battlefield. You got an exile another card to do it, but then it can tap for a mana of any color. Basically ramps you a land if you're not going first. Mm-hmm. So if Gemstone Caverns is in your opening hands, whether you go or not, whether you go first or not, very much depends on like you. Whether you have are two you lands, going, yeah. Are you play. <laughs> are you going to keep the hand with Gemstone Caverns? Right. So this is a big one. I like, and it was the first. It's the only card that specifically talks about turn order. Yeah, and this is one that you see in like CDH. So oftentimes mm-hmm. when you're at a CDH table, people will follow the. All right, we roll to see who goes first, and then we do the mulligan correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, although I've been at plenty of tables where we still just shortcut everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I mean, in casual, there are cards that care about turn order as well. Uh, something really that I've done a number of times is found a hand when I'm playing white that has ketchup ramp. Oh, and yeah. And then found out I'm going first. Mm-hmm. You're like, ooh, this land tax is way worse yeah. now. Oh, like Knight of the White Orchid, which says when it enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more lands than you, you may search your library for a planes card and put it onto the battlefield and shuffle. If you're going first... It does nothing. It really doesn't, unless somebody ramps yeah. a lot. Yeah. Like it, 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 now it's a dead card in your hand, or you miss a land drop, which you really, really don't want to do. Uh, another sneaky one in this is Exotic Orchard. Oh, that's interesting. Right? Like yeah. a lot of time you'll lean on Exotic Orchard. You're like, no, oh, there's two other green players and this will be my green source. Mm-hmm. But if you're going first and you want to get your Llanowar Elves out, all of a sudden you don't have a green source yeah. in your hand uh, until those players get it down. So you can be a whole turn behind. Yeah. So definitely finding out what turn order you go in first affects the game and affects the kind of hands you keep. Yeah, it very much can. And we're not saying, hey, now that you know this information, you should go to your playgroup and say, we're always going to do this. But Mm -hmm. it's just something that all commander players should at the very least know about. So if you go to an LGS, Mm -hmm. then you should probably follow the correct mulliganing rules of conduct so that there's no feel bads, which is really all you're trying to avoid in commander. (laughs) Another, Everyone has fun. Another thing that I think, like if you're if you're doing this, mm-hmm. I think if you, when you roll the dice, uh, another thing you can talk about is just what kind of mulligan are we going to do? Are oh, we doing yeah, like a casual commander mulligan where we're just mulling to seven every time? Are we doing a traditional London mulligan where we're going to seven seven six five four? Yeah. Or are we like I've been in playgroups where they're like we'll do seven seven six six five five four four. Like it's very it's like a permissive London mulligan. Yeah. So. Just making sure that everybody's on the same page, because sometimes if you're doing a different mulligan, you'll mulligan a hand more yeah. easily, or you'll be like be a more precious about your hand. Yeah, that's something, too, where if you only play in one playgroup and you just say, oh, it's fine, just keep mulling to seven, it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And then you go to somewhere else and they're like, and you just keep shuffling, keep shuffling, and you don't go down any cards. Well, that can also cause feel bad. So that's something right. that you definitely need to be aware of. That is a rule that you should talk to the people that you're playing with about. Yeah, huge. All right. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Uh, this next one is always an issue every time it's cast. Yeah. So let's talk about protection in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, protection is something that people get wrong a lot. Yeah. Whether it be cards like Sword of Feast and Famine, uh, which gives a creature like a protection from green and from black, mm-hmm. or the one that people get tripped up on the most is probably Teferi's Protection. Teferi's Protection. Teferi's Protection. Well, it's because this one... 
I feel like when we play it or when a lot of content creators play it, mm-hmm. we'll just be like, oh, we disappear. Yeah. Oh, we phase out. Oh, Ooh. I'm not even here. Yeah. And the trick is you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you are protected from a lot, but not exactly everything. Yeah. So let's break down what Teferi's protection does do and what it doesn't do. Mm. Um, so you gain protection from everything. So protection, again, very commonly misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Uh, So protection means that you cannot be damaged. You cannot be enchanted or equipped if it's a creature. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's a creature, uh, it cannot be blocked and you cannot be targeted. Mm -hmm. So those are the four things that protection enables or disallows, I suppose, what it protects you from. Uh, and people will oftentimes, when it comes to creatures especially, this isn't Teferi's protection related, uh, mm-hmm. but if some creature has protection from white and then somebody casts a white board wipe that says destroy all creatures, mm-hmm. uh, I've very commonly heard the, well, why doesn't this stay alive? Because it has protection from white. Well, it doesn't fall under any of the, it was dealt damage, it was enchanted or equipped or blocked or targeted, which is the debt acronym, right. uh, which you can use to help. Uh, shortcut what protection means. Unfortunately, it doesn't follow under any of those categories with the board wipes, so it will still get destroyed. But it does protect against board wipes like Blasphemous Act because Blasphemous Act is specifically damage-based. Yeah, so if it has protection from red, somebody casts a Blasphemous Act, then that creature will stay alive because that creature cannot be damaged by anything red. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that is something that is very, very commonly misunderstood. Um, Going back to Teferi's protection, uh, yeah, so you can't be targeted or damaged. Um, or blocked. Yeah, you cannot be blocked. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, your creatures can still be blocked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a commonly misunderstood thing is like, oh, I'm not here. You can't attack me. Not how that works. Uh, if you have a creature that has a good attack trigger, then you can still attack the phased out player. Now, that phased out player has protection from everything, so they can't be dealt the damage. Uh, commander damage will not stack on that or anything. Uh, yeah, they just won't be dealt damage. But if you have any cool attack triggers, those will still go off. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a lot of things that get around the targeted role. There's yeah. like effects that happen all of uh, that affect all of the players at the table mm-hmm. or let you choose a player. Uh, in the most recent Game Nights episode in, yeah. in All Will Be One, I used uh, the Sphinx that says choose a player mm-hmm. that has more cards than you. It doesn't target. Yes. Uh, but I chose uh, Craig at the time when he was Teferi's protection out. Because he was your only opponent at the time. Because he was my only <laughs> opponent. He was my only opponent at the time. So, I, and I drew the cards. But a lot of people were confused of how I could have chosen Craig there. And it's because the card doesn't specifically say target. Yeah, exactly. So, Teferi's protection protects you from being targeted. But if you are chosen by a player, uh, you can still like split factor fiction piles, things like that. Um, it says each player. Yeah, each player. You can still do the thing. So if, if each player has to draw two cards, you are still there. You will draw the two mm. cards. If each player has to mill 10 cards. Yeah, so your graveyard still exists. Your library still exists. If you have a creature in your graveyard that's very juicy, that's a great reanimation target, people can still reanimate things from your graveyard, even if you are under the effects of Teferi's protection. As long as it doesn't target you, the player. Exactly. So lots of like edge case scenarios to Fairy's protection doesn't do quite everything, but it does plenty enough to keep you alive and mm-hmm. keep your stuff intact most of the time. <laughs> so that's the first confusing part about Teferi's protection is the protection part. Yes. The second confusing part about Teferi's protection is the phasing part. Yeah. So phasing is an old mechanic mm-hmm. that they really brought back into the limelights more or less with the card Teferi's protection. Yeah. Um, so phasing is a little bit tricky. So phase out permanents don't enter or leave the battlefield. They're just 
treat it as though they don't exist, which they is kind of, of disappear yeah. in the fog. They it, put on an invisibility cloak. Yeah, it's of. a hard concept to like kind of wrap your mind around. Yeah. Just like just pretend they're not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they are. Just pretend. No, they're not. They're not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> permanents that are phased out will phase in before the players untap and can't be responded to. Uh, yeah, Teferi's Protection just phases everything out. Uh, but there are some cards that are also a little bit tricky that phase only particular, like, one or two things out. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you phase something out, it also phases out everything that's attached to it. So if yeah. you have something that says phase out target creature, if that creature has an equipment or an aura attached to it, they will phase out with them. Mm-hmm. And that is something that not a lot of people know because most of their exposure is through phasing is through Teferi's Protection. Right. Which, which is just like, eh, everything. everything, it's fine. Yeah. But if you have like a, like if an opponent has March of the Swirling Mists yeah. on one of your, uh, let's say a creature that's a t- equipped with a Sword of Feast and Famine. Yeah. The Sword of Feast and Famine will phase out with the creature. You cannot move it. It is there, but not there. Yeah, treat it as though it doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, it will phase back in before you're on next untap step. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So overall, phasing, protection, Teferi's protection, all very confusing things that people get wrong, but... Uh, if you look at the words, just read the card bit by bit, line by line, and hopefully that helps a little bit with what you can and can't do with it. And remember debt, damage, enchantment, blocked, and targeted. Yes, for all of your protection needs. Call now. <laughs> Call now. Are you in debt? <laughs> no. Get protection. <laughs> to various debt collection agents. <laughs> all right. <laughs> All right, the next thing that can be extremely confusing in multiplayer, because there are multiple players, yes. is how things resolve. Yeah. If they go on the stack at the same time, or if if they all happen, at the, they all trigger at the same time, which goes first? Yeah, so the way that you should think about it is active player, non-active player, which is commonly short-handed as APNAP. You'll hear a lot of judges say, oh, let's see, active player, non-active player, APNAP. But what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. So the active player is the player who has priority or whose turn it is. So the active player is the player whose turn it is, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can determine a lot of different things about the game, which we will go into a little uh, in a little bit more depth. Uh, but basically the way that's, it works is that the active player can add something to the stack and then priority will go around. Somebody else can add something to the stack. Somebody else can add something to the stack and respond so forth. It's like a stack of pancakes Mm -hmm. that just keep adding on top of each other all the way until nobody else has a response and then it will resolve backwards. So the last person to have made an action, their thing will resolve first. It'll actually happen first. And then the next thing that happened immediately before that will. And it'll go like you're eating a stack Mm -hmm. of pancakes right back down to the bottom one. Which is actually so much of the genius of magic is that if before anything happens, everybody else has to allow it to happen, Mm -hmm. basically. So it's it's like when you put something on the stack, it's before you do that, I want to do this. Yes, exactly. Um, And this does come into play like 
quite often mm-hmm. um, and is something that a lot of commander players misunderstand how to correctly resolve these things. Uh, so say somebody casts a living death. This is one that Huge I see one. get messed up all the time. Uh, yeah, living... So many creatures enter the battlefield at the same time. Yeah, living death brings back everybody's creatures from their graveyards back to the battlefield and oftentimes in commander will have things that have enter the battlefield triggers that all go off. And so then the question is, well, how do we resolve these things? What actually happens mm-hmm. with these triggers? Uh, so the correct way to do it is the active player, the player whose tuner it is, their stuff will go on the stack first. Targets are declared. They all go on the stack. Then the next player in turn order, all theirs enter the battlefield effects. Targets must be declared. Go on the stack on top of that. Same with the third person, then the fourth person. So then the fourth person, their stuff will resolve. It will happen first. Mm. Then the third player stuff will happen, then the second player, then finally the player who casts Living Death, uh, assuming it is their turn, mm-hmm. all of their stuff will resolve. And so it goes backwards again, like a stack of pancakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, this is a really complicated thing especially because a lot of things like how how many creatures does everybody have but remember when they all enter at the same time all creatures see all of the other ones exactly um especially when etbs are concerned except clones (laughs) yeah we'll we'll get to that (laughs) (laughs) because magic's confusing yeah clones are something that people also get wrong uh but (laughs) yeah let's do another scenario for just to get walk through app nap because i had this happen in a game recently and we were like "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i don't know let's say let's say player a has uh an it that betrays sure um, which says, whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent, put that card onto the battlefield under your control. Got it. Now, another player clones that it that betrays. Yeah. Now there's two it that betrays on the table who are both fighting over non-token sacrifices. Exactly. So we'll say player A is the one that has the original one. The next in turn order is player B. Player C has the cloned it that betrays. And then player D um, is after them. So then the question is, like you said, who gets the thing if, say, a fetch land is cracked? Yeah, let's say, yeah, let's say player B is, is cracking a fetch. Yeah. Who gets the land? And the answer is, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because there are two effects that will both try to take it, yeah. right? So the actual answer is it depends on whose turn it is. <laughs> as weird as that is. <laughs> because of APNAP, active player, non-active player. So, for example, if it is player A's turn, then player B, who is next in turn order, cracks the fetch land, then player A's triggered ability will go on the stack. Then player B has no triggers player c has that it that betrays trigger mm-hmm. theirs will go on the stack on top of player a's all right and then if nobody else has any effects player c's ability will resolve first steal the land steal the lands and then player a's will be like oh well there's nothing for me to steal so it just fizzles nothing happens okay okay so so far so good we got this right okay so what if player b cracks a fetch on their own turn okay so if player b cracks the fetch lands then player C, who is next in turn order, because yeah. player B is the active player, will have their ability go on the stack. Player D, assume they have nothing. Player A, then their ability will go on the stack on top of player C. All right, then when it resolves, player A actually gets it. And then player C does not get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how magic works, everybody. <laughs> but again, this is something that you, you said, like, actually mm-hmm. came up 
very easily in a yeah. game of Commander. If there's an if that betrays, you want to clone that yeah, if that betrays. You want to clone, steal, copy, all yeah. sorts of stuff uh, as much as possible. And these tricks really help you like figure out when to crack that fetch land as well. So mm -hmm. say you're player B and you're like, oh, player A is really ahead. Uh, then you can better determine when you do actually want to crack your fetch land. Right, because if yeah, if you want player C to wind up with it, you would have to crack it on player A or player D's turn. But remember with AppNap, all you have to do is literally point in a circle yes, is, is exactly. what I do. So you're, you're like, going in a turn order. So you're like, okay, that's active player. And then you go in the circle, put the triggers on the stack in your head and then see which ones wind up on top. Yes. Those are the ones that'll resolve first. Exactly. All a right. little confusing, but <sighs> something a lot of commander players do very much get wrong. Magic the Gathering. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next thing that can be confusing uh, especially when you get into these these first few uh, parts of the turn, are the steps and phases. Uh, I, I think we really speed through the untap, upkeep draws of yeah. the turn, and those are the moments that can be the most confusing. Yeah. So steps and phases, just in general, are a little bit confusing. Um, I, I've oftentimes been asked by a player, okay, I have this card, when can I play it? Mm -hmm. Like there's a very common thing, even with like intermediates to advanced players, sure. they'll run into. Um, so one question that I get a lot is, can you cast something during untap or before untap? Mm -hmm. um, some players will easily try to do that. I'm like, all right, before, uh, during my untap step, I'm gonna do this thing. Mm -hmm. You usually, can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Usually because they want something to happen before the upkeep. Yes, so say you have a Phyrexian Arena Mm -hmm. trigger uh, that is going to be on your upkeep. You're at one life. You don't want that thing to go off. So you want to blow up your own Phyrexian Arena. Uh, the answer is no. There's no point during your untap that you can cast that spell. Mm -hmm. In fact, there is no point during the upkeep until after the ability has gone on the stack that you can respond. After yeah. upkeep triggers have gone on the stack, the beginning of upkeep triggers, that is the first time that you can respond to things. Right. And I've seen people screw this up many times before. Yeah, I mean, something that that you mentioned when we were planning for this episode that made things like sort of solidify for me mm -hmm. is that anytime you move to a new phase, that phases thing happens. Yeah. So because when like when you're moving phases, you're saying I'm ready for that thing to happen. Yeah. When you say, all right, I'm going to move to attacks. Once you have moved to attacks, the very first thing that happens in attacks is you attack. attacks. Yeah. Right. You move to blocks. The very first thing that happens is blocks. And then you can respond after that before you move on to the next phase. But that is the first thing that happens. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, so in, obviously, if you move to the upkeep step, the first thing that happens in upkeep is all of the upkeep triggers go on the stack. Exactly. And because you can't act during untap, mm -hmm. then that's the first ability that you have to be able to do anything. So the same th principle is true for the draw step. Yes. When you move to the draw step, the very first thing that happens is you draw a card. Yeah. So this, I learned relatively recently, like a year or two ago, where because the very first thing that you do is draw, uh, if you have something that says at the beginning of your draw phase, do thing X, that actually happens after your draw, after even you though it draw. says at the beginning of your draw phase. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so funny. I mean, so this is common in like extra draw spells like Sylvan yes. Library. It says at the beginning of your draw step, you may draw two additional cards. If you do, choose two cards in your hand drawn this 
turn. For each of those cards, pay four life or put the card on top of your library. Yes. So the first card that you draw is your card for turn. And then you draw Sylvan Library, Sylvan Library. Yeah, they'll always put that word additional in there to try to tip you off of like, hey, you're doing this after you draw for turn. Mm -hmm. But our human brains will oftentimes read the first part of it and then kind of shortcut the rest. Like, all right, when does this happen? Beginning of your draw step. Got it. All right, cool. Now I know what the rest of the card does. Now, Um, we had a very weird situation happen in the Warhammer episode of Extra Turns. And in that game, there was both a Sylvan Library on the board mm-hmm. and an Anvil of Bogarden. Yeah. And those are both triggers that happen at the beginning of your draw step. At the beginning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anvil of Bogarden says, at the beginning of each player's draw step, that player draws an additional card, then discards a card. Exactly. And we were like, okay, so what happens if there's these two? What order do you draw? What order do you put back and discard? And the answer depends on who controls the animal. Exactly. So back to active player, not active player. It depends on who controls what and whose turn it is. So it was Jamie that had the Sylvan Library. Yes. And then next in turn order was you who had the Anvil of Bogarden. Mm -hmm. So because that was the case, the answer was Jamie's draw trigger would always go on the stack first for the Sylvan Library. And then the Anvil trigger would go on the stack on top of that. So, so Jamie would draw for turn. Yes. So draw for turn happens before any triggers hit the stack. All right. Yeah. Draw a card. Next, Anvil of Bogarden trigger, because Rachel's sitting next to Jamie. Yeah. That will be on top of the stack. So, so draw an additional card and then discard. Yep. And then Sylvan Library trigger. Fun facts. With Anvil of Bogarden, you can discard a card that you did not draw this turn. And Sylvan Library, you can put back one of the cards you drew this turn with the Anvil of Bogarden. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets real confusing. <laughs> so, so it's draw, draw, discard, draw, draw, put back, put back. <laughs> yes. Or pay life if you would rather. <laughs> or pay life. But if if Jamie had controlled the Sylvan or the Anvil of Bogarden, then Jamie could have stacked those triggers and done them in whatever order he preferred. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to discuss as well, that if you have two triggers that would trigger at the same time, uh, and they're both yours, uh, they happen, uh, you can choose how you want to stack those. Mm. You can choose which one you want to resolve first. So the first thing you put on the stack will again resolve last. Um, You can just stack those however you'd like. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's also, again, a little confusing, but it all depends on turn order. (laughs) Okay, so we're getting in the weeds a little bit, but I hope you're still with (laughs) us. Uh, We're going to talk about more rules that commander players get wrong commonly right after a couple of words from our sponsors. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking about commander rules, magic rules that commander players often get wrong. Mm-hmm. Some confusing stuff, some stuff I didn't know or didn't make quite make sense in my head. So I'm glad we're going through them today. Uh, this next one is possibly the most confusing part yeah, and of multiplayer magic. Possibly one of the things that people get wrong the most. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen people get this wrong in cdh games people that supposedly i i guess i shouldn't say that cdh players supposedly know the most about yeah. the game but something that's even high level commander players mm-hmm. will get wrong yeah yeah i so in magic there are specific times that you can cast spells there's and those moments are called when you have priority yes Right. It's it's priority is just the ability to cast spells yeah. in arena. It's like when your spells light up. Yeah. So if you've learned magic pretty recently, you were probably taught that you could just cast an instant or activate an ability whenever mm-hmm. you, you just stop. You say, OK, I'm actually going to do this. But that's not technically how magic works. <laughs> <laughs> that's just easier to it's, explain. <laughs> it's, it's easier to explain and people might not have like discussed that any further, but the actual answer is priority. Mm. So now what is priority? Uh, Priority is basically a system for asking each player, do you want to do something? Um, And you only get priority at very specific times. Uh, Basically, whenever a spell or ability is added to the stack, priority will go around in turn order 
and everybody gets to decide if they want to respond, activate an ability, cast an instant spell, anything mm -hmm. of that sort. Yeah. And that also is the same when a step or phase change occurs. Say you go, all right, I want to move to combat. Before you move to combat, everybody has a chance to respond. Does anybody want to do anything yes. before this happens? Yes. Before we move to a new phase, before this spell resolves, it's this is your chance before a spell happens. Yeah. So something that people will do quite often is say uh, there's a kill spell in hand. You have a kill spell in hand. Somebody plays a creature uh, that is big and scary. Mm -hmm. uh, creature hits the battlefield. Somebody, the person that has the removal spell says, hold on, before you do anything with that, I want to source the plush shares your creature. That's not a thing you can do. You must wait until you get priority, which is another spell is cast, another ability is activated, or they move steps or phases before you actually have priority and are able to cast that source to plowshares. You yeah. must wait until one of those times. Which is why a card like Urza is so powerful. Yes. Because Urza, if, you can, if it enters the battlefield, all of his abilities can be activated immediately in yes. response to to kill spells there's there's if it hits the battlefield there's really not a way to stop the power from happening exactly and again once those abilities have been put on the stack then you can respond that mm -hmm. like that is a possibility yeah but yeah that, that is something that i see a lot of commander players get wrong yeah they think oh well this is an instant i can cast it whenever again technically not how that works yeah yeah we are not going to have time to go into the deep nitty gritty of priority and the specifics of how everything works. Today, we're just going to talk about the big points that people tend to get wrong. If you're confused about priority and you want to spend some more time learning about it, mm -hmm. there is an episode that we have gone over priority called The Power of Priority and the Stack. Go check out that episode of The Command Zone because it'll really break down a lot of the things in more detail than what we're going to be able yeah. to get into in this episode. I helped write that one. Thanks. Yeah. Good job, Murph. <laughs> Thanks. Murph I think it's a pretty one. good one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the first, first thing we want to get into is actually something that happened on Game Nights Live. Yeah. On stage. In Vegas. <laughs> in front of lots and lots of people. So again, a very common thing that commander players will get wrong. And uh, it's, it's it, they were trying to interrupt a spell in the middle of it resolving. Exactly. Sort of because it had two parts. So Lady cast an Azuri's Predation, uh, which says, for each creature your opponent's control, create a 4-4 four, four green beast creature token. Uh, each of those tokens fights a different one of those creatures. Mm -hmm. So then Joe had a spell which was Sudden Spoiling, mm -hmm. which makes all creatures zero twos with no abilities. So what Joe wanted to do was uh, the 4-4s four, get made, cast Sudden Spoiling, make them all zero twos. So then when those things fight then nothing dies yeah nothing dies um the problem with that is that you cannot interrupt a spell as it's resolving so even though it feels like there's two parts of this text there's making four force and there's making fighting technically it all happens in that order all at once and there's no way for anybody to respond mm -hmm. you, you just can't cast that sudden spoil and you can cast it before the azores predation goes off or after it goes off, once uh, once all the fights have already once happened. all the fights have happened, once you get priority, so another spell has been cast, they move phases. Those are the only two times that you can do it. You can't do it in between. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's a tricky one because you're like, it really does feel like there's a moment yeah. there, but because it's all it's all on the same card, it's like like in in a it, a wheel is a little bit more of a clear example. Mm -hmm. Like you can't draw the seven, or you can't. I don't know, cast something before 
uh, you draw. Yeah, we had a similar issue where it was, uh, what's the creature where power and toughness are each equal? Psychosis Crawler, mm-hmm. I think yeah. it was. Uh, in Extra Turns 2, Kyle had a Psychosis Crawler out, cast a Wheel of Fortune, mm-hmm. and was like, well, does the Psychosis Crawler die? Because everybody discards their hand. Right. So there is a point where Kyle will have no cards in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, the answer on the day of, they thought, was, yes, it will die. Mm. Um, but the answer actually was, no, uh, it does not die because there's no point where state-based effects are checked because that all happens all at the same time, all at the same time, uh, in that order. And there's no space for anybody to react. There's no space for state-based effects yeah. to be checked. The game's just not looking. Yeah. At the that game's point. not looking until it is finished resolving. Mm-hmm. We actually had to go back and do some editing magic to make that work. So if you go back to Extra Turns number two, watch the Psychosis Crawler. Watch how Josh magically kills it with a Croson grip. We actually reshot that. (laughs) (laughs) It was very funny. (laughs) Uh, The power of editing. Power of editing. Nice. Okay, so the next one, I think this happens a lot in, mm, in multiplayer yeah. games because we love modal spells yes. or spells that target a lot of things at the same time. Yes. Something I think about this a lot is decimate, where decimate says destroy, target artifact, target creature, target enchantment, and target land. Yeah. So when you're cast decimate, you have to have all of the targets. Yeah, that's something First that commander all, players get wrong. <laughs> First of all. You have to have an individual target for each one because it says target before yeah. each one. So you have to have an artifact, you have to have a creature, you have to have an enchantment and a land. Yeah. Cards these days will oftentimes say one or more. Decimate's yes. a special case where it says destroy target this, target this, target this, target this. Mm-hmm. You must choose a target for all of them. If they say there's no enchantment on the battlefield, you cannot cast decimate. Can't you cannot put that spell it. on the stack. Yeah. But also you have to declare all of those targets all at the same yes. time and those targets happen before anybody else does anything yes i think a lot of the time you'll be like okay well i know i know i'm getting the aetherflux reservoir and i'll get um and then the aetherflux reservoir player is like okay i'll respond and i'll do this 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 yeah. this, this, this and you're like mm, wait yeah <laughs> stop <laughs> wait stop <laughs> all targets must be declared yeah priority must go in order of people responding and then it will all resolve backwards so yeah slow down slow down make sure hold all on. <laughs> targets and all modes are chosen before you can respond to a spell yeah that's something that can really up your game is mm-hmm. if you do fully understand priority when you can respond when you should respond uh make sure again all targets are declared and make sure that priority has gone around for important spells at the very least right. um in turn order so that people have a chance to respond before it gets to you. Because I've definitely been in a situation with something like Decimate where I'm getting something blown up that's very important to me. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I have a counterspell ready. Yeah. Uh, but then the player before me also has something important being blown up, doesn't like it, also has a counterspell ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't know that unless priority went around in turn order. And they were like, okay, hold on. I'm going to play counterspell. That is the way that it should be done. Um, and that's the one that creates less feel bads, uh, because I, I've also definitely done the thing of, all right, somebody casts a spell. And then before we check priority, mm-hmm. you say, oh, hold on. I think I want to do that. That's called jumping priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can also lead to feel bads. Cause then say you're the player right before me, you have a counter spell. What do you do? Do you sit there and be like, all right, well, I'll just hold on to my counter spell, I mm-hmm. guess. And, or do you say, oh, well, technically I probably would have used this. Yeah. Um, it's just avoiding feel bads. 
Yeah, and just basically confusion. I think when exactly. a big, when any sort of big spell in Commander hits the stack, something like a decimate, yeah. um, or a board wipe, you really need to slow the game down and yeah. walk through priority, walk through responses. So you're like, okay, then we've got Wrath of God on the stack. Mm-hmm. You get priority first. Yeah. What do you? Ha- what are your responses? Then, like maybe player two has the counter spell, but player one already would have had to respond. Um, to that board wipe yep. or risk losing priority to do stuff. So make sure you slow things down, give everybody their moment to respond, mm-hmm. and then things will resolve a, a little bit neater. Yeah. Uh, and they follow the specific rules. Um, so decimate is, is sort of a simple yeah. example of what we're talking about. But this gets a lot more confusing with something like a Mizzix's Mastery. Oh, my gosh. We had Mizzix's Mastery on the Strixhaven Game Nights episode. <laughs> we broke for lunch because it was just taking forever to resolve. Yeah. We took like an hour trying to figure everything out. So we came back and we still got the card wrong. <laughs> we still played read, it wrong. <laughs> read Mizzix's Mastery. It says, exile target card that's an instant or sorcery from your graveyard for each card exiled this way copy it and you may cast the copy without paying its mana cost exile mizix's mastery it's the three in red for a sorcery but more importantly it has overload five red 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 which you were probably doing so you exile all instants and all target instant and sorceries from your graveyard and cop- copy them and cast them without paying their mana cost yeah the important thing about them all happening <laughs> is you have to declare all of the targets of those spells. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So if you have multiple removal spells, all those removal spells must have targets declared when they are put on the stack Mm. all at once. You also have to choose the order all at once. Yes. The order in which they are resolving. You put them on the stack in the order, but they will still all resolve before anything else happens in the game. So no one gets any priority in between those spells being put on the stack. Correct. They can respond at certain moments on the stack as they're resolving. Yes. But Mizzix's Mastery, it all happens in one moment. Mm-hmm. Which is why that card is such a bear. <laughs> <laughs> if you have like 15 instant sorceries and seven of them have targets and you need to stack the order exactly. that they happen in and then just hope those targets are still there at the yeah. end. Because <laughs> we were trying to shortcut it for camera of just like, all right, let's go one at a time. We're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this. And the problem with that is that the targets of what Josh would have picked changed mm-hmm. based on what he did before that because he had a lot of cards that would draw cards. And so he could like respond to all the spells and Mizzix's mastery on the stack. Mm-hmm. But at that point, all the targets should have been chosen they just weren't. Ooh, yeah. It's a very confusing yeah, one. Sorry, we got it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, if you're casting these spells that you know you're going to cast a ton of stuff all at the same time, or you're going to resolve a ton of stuff all at the same time, Rise mm-hmm. of the Dark Realms has yeah. a similar type effect. Although, you know, it's a, a just slightly different. Mystics yep. is Mastery. You know that all of those stuff, things have to be resolved at the same time. Or put on the stack put on the at the stack, same time. Yeah. Excuse yeah. me. And then they were and resolved, resolved individually. Down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Man. Woo. Complications. <laughs> so we're talking about priority. Yes. And normally when you put a when you put a spell on the stack, you pass priority all yes. the way around and someone gets to respond to it. Yeah. But there is a way. <laughs> yeah. So something that's I see a lot of commander players get wrong when it comes to priority is they will play a card. Mm-hmm. Or they'll play a spell and they say, all right, pass priority. And then it goes to the next person, goes to the next person, goes to the next person. Nobody does anything. Uh, and then the player who originally cast the spell will say, all right, before my spell resolves, I want to cast this. 
you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you do not have a moment. There is no moment. Once the last person passes priority, then the spell just resolves. There's no point in time for the player who originally cast that spell to then add something else to the stack. Yeah, because when you pass priority, you're basically saying, I'm ready for this to resolve. What about you? Yes. Like, are you ready for this to resolve? Are you ready for this to resolve? Yeah, so say you have a Blasphemous Act, a board wipe that's mm -hmm. your plane, and you also have a Boros Charm in hand that can give all of your stuff indestructible. Um, you play the Blasphemous Act. You must say, all right, I'm going to hold priority, then cast the Boros Charm on top of that. Mm -hmm. So you can do this thing called holding priority, which is you cast the thing, and then before other people have a chance to respond, you add something else to the stack. Mm -hmm. That is the only way that you can do that unless somebody else then activates an ability or casts a spell. So now it gets a little tricky. Yeah. Say somebody has a Sakura Tribelder on the battlefield, right? And you think, okay, I have this Boros Charm in hand. I have this Blasphemous Act. I'm going to cast the Blasphemous Act. Pass priority. Mm. You are banking on the fact that they are going to crack that Sakura Tribelder yep. for you to get priority back so you can cast that Boros Charm. It's tricky. Usually they'll do it. But Usually. There is the off chance that they won't do it. But if they know you have the Boros Charm or they are can, like worried you have the Boros Charm, sometimes it's right to not respond to a board wipe. Yes. If you know that they have board protection and they haven't held priority to cast it. Yes. The important thing about holding priority is the second spell you cast has to be at instant speed. Yes. You cannot cast a sorcery, hold priority, and then <laughs> cast true. another sorcery. It can only be an instant. Which I have absolutely seen. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen people do that? Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, because they're they're like, I want these two to be together. And mm. you're like, mm, no. Yeah. Because you're adding it to the stack at instant speed. Yeah, so that's quite, quite likely a thing where they've just heard somebody say, I'm going to hold priority. Right. Seen somebody do that and then mm -hmm. think, okay, I can do that too. Right. So I'm going to do that. Right. It's like a en passant in chess, where if somebody like moves the pawn too forward and then you can like still capture it, mm -hmm. and then people will do that outside of that scenario. Right. And you're like, oh, I saw somebody do that. I know I can do that. You're like, no, you, like, not that's quite a, how that it's works. A more specific, <laughs> slightly different. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think I saw somebody do it on enchantments where they had the like a blood bond combo. Yeah. And was like, I'm going to cast this and hold priority and cast this. Mm. And you were like, mm, yeah, no, it must be in at flat or like if you had a ley line of anticipation, you could do that yeah. because you could cast it at flash speed in response to your own spell, basically. Yeah. But generally speaking, no, that's not a thing that you can do. Yes. Um, holding priority is so that you can make sure that another instant or ability will go off before your original spell resolves. Right. That, that's all holding priority is. Yep. Very cool. All righty. Uh, so we've been talking a lot about the stack and how it's like the core of how magic yeah. uh, like things happen and, and happen, you, you, like put, get put on the stack and then are resolved. Yeah. Uh, there is one major exception to this. Yeah. There are multiple, right? There's a yeah. couple of exceptions. <laughs> There's a couple of exceptions. But a big exception. Yeah, we're going to talk about the major <laughs> exception, which is mana abilities. So they don't use the stack. They don't use the stack. So again, I've definitely seen people say, in response to you tapping that land for mana, I'm going to do this thing. Mm -hmm. Mana abilities don't use the stack. People do not get priority. They do not have a chance to be able to activate things or cast spells, which does make sense, right? Mm -hmm. The tricky part gets to cards like Ashnod's Altar, which gives you mana, but also sacrifices a creature to do it. Mm -hmm. So a card like Ashnod's Altar doesn't actually use the stack. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. It feels like it should. It feels like it right? should because like half the reason you're playing it is because it sacrifices Yeah. It. So something but. like Altar of Dementia, which sacrifices a creature. Uses the stack. Uses the stack. 
it just has a different ability. One adds mana and then the other uh, mills. So both Phyrexian Altar and Ashnod's Altar are mana abilities and are treated like mana abilities, which means that you can't respond to them. You can respond to whatever triggers get put on the stack after something is sacrificed, which is often the case, Mm -hmm. but you cannot respond to the actual sacrifice. Yeah. But a tricky thing you can do is say somebody tries to cross and grip, excuse me, your Phyrexian Altar or Ashnod's Altar. That card has split second. Uh, mm-hmm. which says as long as the spell is on the stack, players can't cast spells or activate abilities that aren't mana abilities. Ding, ding, ding. Mana abilities. Ashnod's Altar is a mana ability. You can sacrifice creatures in response to that. Yeah, so if you had uh, if you had a blood artist or something, if you had like a, some sort of dies trigger that you want to happen yeah. before your Ashnod's Altar is gone, you actually can respond to Croson Grip with mm-hmm. an Ashnod's Altar, yep. even if you can't respond with like a counter spell or yep. something like that. Easily something I've seen a lot of people get yeah. wrong before. The it's funny though because that same in that same scenario, if you didn't have an Ashnod's Altar and you had a Goblin Bombardment yeah. or something like that, and somebody tries to Croson Grip your Goblin Bombardment, you can't do that. You cannot activate Goblin Bombardment because it's not a mana ability. Yeah wild yeah crazy <laughs> nuts <laughs> but the yeah the other i think i think this is interesting where it's like if if an opponent sacrifices a creature to make uh to make mana for like to, to crack a clue or mm-hmm. something like yeah. that and you're like i really don't want you to crack that clue there is no moment where you can respond and destroy the clue yeah because it's a mana ability yep so Unless there's like a when a, uh, a blood artist and you can respond to the blood artist trigger or something, but even then the man's floating. Exactly. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's uh it's part of the reason that why these altars are so powerful, mm-hmm. but it's also something to keep in mind when you're playing them and playing against them. Yes, very much so. Uh, okay, mana abilities. Whoosh. Oh boy. <laughs> Whoosh. All right. There's a cardinal rule in commander, which is. Commander damage. Commander damage. And we are mostly unclear on how it works. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So commander damage, you need 21 points of combat damage from a commander in order to kill somebody. Now, that seems simple on the surface, but first of all, non-combat damage doesn't add to commander damage. This is something that... I see a lot of people get wrong. Okay. They'll play a Niv-Mizzet or something and then say, oh, well, I dealt 21 points of right. damage to you, so ergo, you are dead. No. <laughs> the main thing, so it's it, the, an important distinction is combat damage is dealt by their power in combat. Yes. It is, it is they hit you like a regular creature. Yep. Non-combat damage is is ne- Nekusar's draw trigger. Yep. It's... Uh, uh, Niv-Mizzet's draw trigger, it's it's it, Heartless Hidetsugu's tap ability. Yes. These are non-combat damage triggers. But if you had just attacked with your Heartless Hidetsugu, which I've never seen, but you could. You could. No one's stopping you. You would hit someone for four damage, and that would be considered commander yeah. damage. Uh, or combat damage, excuse me. Yes. And also <laughs> commander damage, if it's your commander. Yep. Okay. So that is, that's a big rule that people tend to get wrong. Yeah. Seems simple. All right. Cool. We're good. But. <laughs> Combat. But it gets more confusing. Yeah. So what happens if your commander is stolen from you? Yeah. So if uh, I have a commander, I've been hitting Rachel a lot with mm-hmm. it. And then Jimmy, uh, act of treasons, my commander just steals it um, and then attacks Rachel with it. Does that still stack the same commander damage on top of Rachel? It's not Jimmy's commander. It's not Jimmy's commander. Does it track 
Jimmy's commander damage or does it track my commander damage? And the answer is it'll track my commander damage because it cares about the object itself, the commanderness of the object, <laughs> if you would. <laughs> there, becoming a dex commander is is does give like a card special qualities. Yeah. It gives it that ability to go to the command zone. It gives it commander damage. It gives it any any number of of commandery properties. But yeah. those those are all attached to the actual piece of cardboard that is lives in your command zone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so then what if Jimmy made a copy of my commander mm -hmm. uh, and then attacked you with it? Would that then add to commander damage? Answer? Mm, no. no. No, it wouldn't because that is not my physical commander with its commanderness properties. Mm, that's simply a fraud. You can't do that. Um, what if then Rachel takes my commander yeah. and whacks me with my own commander? Yeah. And he's like super buff. Yeah. I, I would die to my own commander if oh, it was big enough. <laughs> yeah, it would be still tracking my commander damage, but my commander damage on myself. Right, because it's the commander, tricky, becoming a commander gives it the ability to deal 21 damage. It's like, sort of like infect. If a creature has it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You, like, it just has it. The ability is commanderness, though. Is, is it <laughs> commandery? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So because it's attached to the actual cardboard mm -hmm. of it, even if your commander isn't your commander, it's still your commander. Yes. So if if your commander was like, what if, what if somebody used Oko to turn your commander into an elk? Yeah. So then it's a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. And then I attack Rachel with it. Still does three points of commander damage. Yeah. Yep. That elk is your commander. Yep. He's the boss. <laughs> <laughs> Even <And> though <laughs> he's been transformed, it still has those commander properties. And it's specifically because it says target creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature token with base power and toughness. Three, three. Mm -hmm. Because Oko doesn't destroy it and then replace it with an elk, it's still your commander, the card. It just happens to be an elk now. Mm -hmm. uh, it still does commander damage. Exactly. The same is true for something like a Darksteel Mutation. Uh, if you enchant a commander and turn it into an insect artifact creature with power and toughness 0-1 and indestructible, if you can put a bunch of plus one, plus one counters on that indestructible bug, it'll do commander damage. Yeah. <laughs> Which I've actually seen happen before. I absolutely <laughs> have seen Darksteel Mutation be like, all right, this bug is my commander. Here we go. <laughs> all right. Load it on up. Or it's Voltron, this sucker. All right. All right, we talked about copying. We teased this a little bit, but it is also a deeply confusing and uh, often misunderstood rule. Yeah, uh, I ran into this a lot when I was first starting to play because mm -hmm. uh, one of my good friends had a Mimeoplasm deck, which yes. just had a lot of clones and copies in it and the commander clones and copies things itself. Um, and there's just a lot of like rules confusion inherent to that. Mm. Um, they actually stopped making clones for some time because they're like, how does this, how does this work with the rules? <laughs> we're not, we're not. We just don't even know if we can make this work. <laughs> and, and they do, like they do work with the rules now, but there are a lot of like corner case, edge case scenarios that's mm -hmm. a lot of players will get wrong with them. That can come up in commander quite often. And a confusing part about it is like, what exactly are you copying exactly. when you copy something? Yeah. And the answer is mostly <laughs> <laughs> some stuff. Uh, you are copying the original text of the card. So the original card itself. So if somebody puts a giant growth on a grizzly bear during your turn, mm -hmm. um, and then- He's a five five. He's a five five. Now. I want that five five. Uh, you clone that grizzly bear. Is a grizzly bear a five five or a two two? Grizzly bear is a two two because it's copying the original way that that card is printed. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that seems somewhat self-explanatory. But then it gets tricky once again when you're copying clones. So when you're cloning a clone. So this actually came up with, I was talking to Gavin about this, and he was wrong for what it's worth. Um, <laughs> Gavin. <laughs> Gavin. What's wrong with you, You Gavin? were wrong. We asked like some L5 judges and they were wrong too. And me and Jamie were like, no, I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. <laughs> uh, okay. So we really want this grizzly bear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, well, maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. Um, so say somebody casts Phyrexian Metamorph and clones a grizzly bear. Now yeah. Phyrexian Metamorph says it enters the battlefield as a copy of any artifact or creature on the battlefield. Uh, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. So it can choose an artifact or a creature. Um, say there's a powerful artifact on the board that I want. That's like, uh, let's just say Sol Ring. I really want a Sol Ring. Yeah. Right? Um, and so somebody Phyrexian Metamorphed a uh, grizzly bear. Mm-hmm. Which, sure, whatever. I have a clone and I play clone. Can I then copy the clone, copying the Phyrexian Metamorph, copying the Sol Ring? Because <laughs> uh... you're copying the original character characteristics of the card right right the, yeah that's what we just said that's what we just said uh-huh the answer is no no you can't do that what? <laughs> <laughs> so clones are the one exception to that rule right of you're copying the original characteristics with clones whenever you copy a clone you are copying whatever it has become so in that case if you cloned the phyrexian metamorph it would be a grizzly bear that's an artifact in addition to its other types you can't change that a shame. A shame. But that is something that I've definitely seen people try to do. Like, yeah. oh, I want to change this so it can be this, so it can be something else that I couldn't otherwise get. Another thing that I've seen, especially with tokens and copying tokens, is what qualities you're copying from the token you've yeah. made. So let's say that you made a token copy with Felden. Yep. It's, it's Tuna Red is activated ability says create a token that's a copy of target creature card in your graveyard, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. Mm-hmm. It gains haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Yep. So that's what Felden says. He let's say you make a mere battle sphere. We love mere battle sphere. With with Felden. So you have this token copy that you have to sacrifice at the end of turn. If you populate it. Mm-hmm. Do you have to sacrifice the token you populated? Because like Felden says that you have to sacrifice it at the end of turn. Mm-hmm. If you populated, yeah. I don't know, like it, I made a copy of that token. Do I have to sacrifice this one also? And the answer is no, mm-hmm. because Felden's ability is what gave the token you made the the delayed trigger that you have to sacrifice it. Yeah, it just says sacrifice this one thing at the beginning of the next end step. And so if you clone or copy it, it will not have that ability inherent to it. Yeah. So that seems straightforward until you (laughs) you see... (laughs) That's Magic uh, Rules in a nutshell. It seems straightforward until uh, you play Commander. Until they print it as something else. Uh, So Nelfeshni is a card from Baldur's Gate. It's five and a red for a beast demon with flying. It says, whenever you cast a spell from exile, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. If it's a permanent spell, the copy gains haste and at the beginning of the next end step, sacrifice this permanent Mm -hmm. quote. Yeah. So if you populate a token from Nelfeshni, if you make a copy of a token that you made with Nelfeshni, will you have to sacrifice that at the end of combat or at the end of the end step? Yep. The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> because Contrary Nel- to yeah. <laughs> what Felden said, this one is yes, you will have to. Because Nelfeshni gives the token the ability at the beginning of the end step, sacrifice this permanent. Yeah. So then when you clone or copy that, it will also now have that because the original quote unquote printed version of that also had that. Right. 
confusing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it very much depends on the text on the token when you're copying the token. Yeah. Because it's like basically what the original card said. Yeah. Oftentimes, a lot of like questions that you have about a card can be easily determined by just reading it in depth. Yeah. What's on the what's card? on the card? What, what's the specific <laughs> wording of it? And mm -hmm. hopefully you can try to you can get a lot of um, rules things right just by trying to follow what they say printed on the card to the best of your ability. Yeah. All right. This next one blew my mind. So yeah. we all know, we all know the card doubling season, right? Yes. If an effect would create one or more tokens under your control, it creates twice as many of those tokens instead. Mm -hmm. It says other things. We're going to talk about this first half. Yeah. If you would create one or more tokens under your control, it creates twice that many tokens yep. instead. Now. <laughs> now. <laughs> So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> technically all the time. So there's a card called double major from Strixhaven. It's a green and a blue instant copy target creature spell you control, except it isn't legendary. If that spell is legendary, a copy of that creature spell becomes a token when, yeah. So you copy something while it's on the stack. When it resolves, it'll become a token. So then the question is, does doubling season copy that token? And will you get an additional token? Right. You're making with doubling a token. Season? You're making a token, right? Um, and the answer is no because you are not technically creating a token. It's becoming a token. It's becoming a token. It's not creating a token. I'm not sure why they did it like this. Um, <laughs> and it's because you're copying the spell on the stack, yes. not the permanent. Yeah. So that's in comparison with something like Arenicus's Vile Duplication, which says create a token that's a copy of target creature you control, except it has flying and is legendary if that creature is legendary. That um, is creating a token. That's technically creating a token. So again, you're looking at that little line of text that says create. If the token if the card excuse me says create then doubling season will see that duplicate it um if it says copy a spell or anything that's dealing with it on the stack um then it will not be that yeah so you will copy the spell on the stack and it will become a token exactly. you won't create a token so i actually got this wrong with josh's garth one-eyed deck uh, yeah which i helped build for the modern horizons 2 episode mm. uh because i thought oh well that's cool garth can create shivan dragons yeah. So let's put doubling season there. Parallel lives. We'll make Two tons Shivan of dragons. Shivan dragons. That is awesome. We'll make multiple black lotuses. It'll be great. If you look at the deck list right now, you can still see all of those cards still in there. Luckily, Josh didn't really play any of those on the episode <laughs> because <laughs> that's not how it works. Uh, Garth does not technically create tokens. It creates a copy of the spell. Yes. yes. Black Lotus. Yep. So. Yeah. <laughs> this exception is actually more common than you think. Yes. There's a lot of of cards that make tokens mm -hmm. that are actually becoming tokens. Yeah, this is a much more recent thing, but the cards that do do it are pretty popular yeah, and so pretty powerful. I do want to run through a couple of examples. Like, this one doesn't work with doubling season. It's Reflections of Lit Yara. Mm -hmm. Four and a blue for an enchantment. Listen carefully. As Reflections of Lit Yara comes into the battlefield, choose a creature type. Whenever you cast a spell of the chosen type, copy that spell. A copy of the permanent becomes a token. So Reflections of Lit Yara is not doubled with doubling season. Nope. Same with Volo Guide to Monsters. Two a green and a blue for a legendary human wizard. He's a 3-2. It says whenever you cast a creature spell that doesn't share a creature type with a creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, copy that spell. Mm -hmm. A copy of a creature spell becomes a token. Yeah. So basically anything that deals with uh, something that's copying on the stack mm. will not create a token. Anything that deals with copying something while it's already on the battlefield will create a token. 
Yeah. So take a close look at all of yes. your token makers and make sure it works how you want it to mm-hmm. with parallel lives, with an anointed procession, with uh, with doubling season. Uh, and notably, stuff that you're like, well, maybe this doesn't work now. It probably does. <laughs> Helm of the Host says at the beginning of your combat on your turn, create a token. That's a copy of the equipped creature. Except so let's create a token. a token right there. Create a token. Kiki Jiki, create a token. Uh so l- make sure you're looking for the word create or if it's copying a spell on the stack. Wording tricky, 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 tricky. Yep. Okay. All right. <sighs> so clones. We're not done with clones yet. We're still talking about <laughs> still them. talking about clones. There's a lot of confusion with clones and double sided cards. Magic has been printing a lot of these cards. Yeah. Like modal spells are a little more clear than cards that transform. Mm-hmm. So uh, all of the werewolves, for example. Yeah. So what happens if you clone something that can transform? Mm-hmm. It says <laughs> what happens when it says um, that if you cast two or more spells, then it has to transform. What happens to your clone? Does it uh, turn face over? Does then, it? Yeah, you copied the card. Yeah, you does copied it, the original text on the card. Yeah, does it turn into what the front side is now? Um, and the answer is it does nothing. It doesn't. It, do, it does nothing. It just stays stuck on that side, for better or for worse. It um, manifests itself. <laughs> no, it does not no, manifest it does, itself. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't have text on the other side. It doesn't yeah. have anything to transform into, so it just doesn't. Yes. So, so let's say you copy a Hollow Henge Huntmaster with yeah. a clone. This card's sweet. Mm-hmm. It's a great clone target. Yep. It's a werewolf that says hexproof. Other permanents you control have hexproof. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put two plus one plus one counters on each creature you control. Nightbound. If a player casts at least two spells during their turn, it becomes day and would normally flip back over into Ava Brook Caretaker. Mm-hmm. But if you copy Hollow Henge Huntmaster... It just stays there. That's yours. Yeah. So this can be to your advantage, whether you're playing against werewolf decks or if you're playing with werewolf decks mm-hmm. um, and you just really want to get like one side stuck there, you can just clone, copy it, do whatever you want, and then it will never transform away from that. It'll just stay like that forever. Okay. So that's how that's how the transfer form spells work yep. for all of the transform spells. Mm-hmm. Except. All of them. Except. <laughs> <laughs> Magic rules, everybody. <laughs> Uh, so what if you have, say, like Jace Friends Prodigy, which is a creature on one side, flips into a planeswalker on the other side, um, and you clone the Jace Friends Prodigy. Uh, it says you can tap it to draw a card, then discard a card. If there are five or more cards in your graveyard, exile Jace Friends Prodigy, then return it to the battlefield transformed under its owner's control. And that's not a May. So that is something that you will have to do if you have five or more cards in your graveyard and you activate the ability. What then happens to Jace? Well, Murph, surely because he doesn't have a backside, he just wouldn't transform. Exactly. He would just stay there, right? No. <laughs> He just exiles himself. He just shoots into space. So (laughs) these cards will always follow the text to the best of their ability until it can't. He's trying. He's trying. Uh, So the transform (laughs) part will not happen. You're right about that. But the exile part, he's like, yeah, I can do that. (laughs) So your clone of Jace Friends Prodigy will say, all right, I'm going to exile myself. Wee. And then come back to the battlefield transformed. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. (laughs) So it'll just exile itself is (laughs) what ends up happening. It's just gone. (laughs) It's just gone. So maybe not the best clone target in the world. Careful with Jace's. Careful with Uh, Jace's. Or any of those. Chandra's and, and Lily and all of that. 
Okay, we have one more section for copying, and we're not talking about copying permanence anymore. We're talking about copying spells on the stack, mm-hmm. specifically modal spells. Yeah. So modal spells are a little bit interesting because they will oftentimes say, choose one, choose two, things like that, and then have multiple lines of text uh, for you to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people will like fork or copy these spells when they're on the stack, uh, they'll say, oh, well, what can I do with this? Because mm-hmm. it's well, they will oftentimes say you may choose new targets for the copy. Mm-hmm. So something like cryptic command that has choose two, you can counter target spell, return target permanent to its owner's hand, tap all creatures your opponent's control, or draw a card. Um, if somebody plays the spell originally that says counter target spell and tap all creatures your opponent's control, you say mm-hmm. you have a fork or a reverberate or something like that, which will copy that, and you may choose new targets for the copy. A question that oftentimes comes up is can I no longer have those modes chosen can i then choose draw a card and return a permanent to its owner's hand instead Mm -hmm. Uh, because it does say you can choose new targets for the copy right no Um, those aren't targets yeah those are chosen modes yeah so when cryptic command or cards like it are put on the stack the modes are chosen then and cannot be reselected or re-chosen. Right. Um, Basically, that's the spell on the stack. That is the spell on the stack. Yeah. yeah. Whether you like it or not. Um, and when it says you can choose new targets for the copy, that's saying, well, now you can counter a different spell. Uh, mm-hmm. You can return a different target permanent to its owner's hand, assuming those were the modes that were originally chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what that line of text refers to. But you cannot choose different modes. Yeah. Unfortunately. Sorry, womp, guys. Womp. Yeah. yeah. Sublime uh, Epiphany is one that is oftentimes like, oh, well, I want to do all of these now. Yeah. You can't. You got to choose, choose originally exactly what yeah. they chose. The modes that they chose originally, it's all you got to work with, unfortunately. Yeah. Another case where you're not copying exactly what's on the spell. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> Magic is easy. All right. We've got one more section. And this is something that I have tripped up so many times in both directions. Yeah. Honestly, this one might be one of the most useful things yeah. because in every single game of Commander, a player will get knocked up. <laughs> yeah. It's, and and we're the only format or, we're, you know, we're the largest format where one player will die and the game will continue. Yes. <laughs> in 1v1, obviously, when you die, the game's over. So you yeah. don't have to resolve anything else. But in Commander, when a player dies, what happens to them and their stuff? Yeah. Oftentimes, players aren't exactly clear on what steps need to be taken when a player dies. So we're just going to go through them step by step. So hopefully we can fully understand exactly what goes on. Yeah. Um, So first up, uh, when a player dies, all the stuff that they own is exiled. So all of the cards that they own that were in their deck that they've played, uh, just completely exiled. All of the cards that came in their box. Yes. Exiled. Yeah, completely gone. Doesn't matter where it is. Just gone forever. They get the cards back. Uh, Pretty simple. All things considered, most people get this one right. Yeah. So in there are corner cases with like auras and stuff. If they have an aura that's enchanting an opponent's creature, for example, like an animate dead, yep. the animate dead will be exiled. The card that was enchanted is no longer enchanted and will go back to its owner's graveyard. Yep. And again, most people do get this right. This one's right. not too bad. Right. Uh, but then it starts to get a little bit tricky. So the stuff that they've stolen is given back. So something like... Mass manipulation, where it says gain control of X target creatures and or planeswalkers. You will actually give those back to their controller. Uh, A lot of people will say, no, 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 those get exiled. 
Yeah, because they have them now. Yeah, because they have them now. Not exactly. They get returned back to their owner's control. Now, this is where it gets very, very tricky. Huh. Because um, you have something like that. You have something like Agent of Treachery, which says gain control of. Uh, if you have a control magic mm-hmm. or something like that, obviously that will go away and then control will return mm-hmm. back to its owner's control. Um, but what about creatures you've reanimated? Uh, yeah. What if, do you think if happens you, to those? If you reanimate an opponent's uh, Grave Titan, do do you give it back? That's yep. crazy. Do they get the Grave Titan? Does uh, it go to, to their it? graveyard? And the answer is it's exiled? Yeah, it's just exiled. It's exiled. It's exiled. Uh, <laughs> and I th- it's because they got it to the battlefield. Exactly. <laughs> kind of. So the step after returning all of the stuff that you have gained control of is just exile everything else. So something that you have reanimated would then fall into the category of exile everything else. Mm-hmm. Or like if you've briberied somebody. Yes. You search their library for a creature card and you put it onto into play under their control. That player shuffles his or her library. Yeah. You have effectively stolen that card, but nowhere on bribery does it say gain control of target creature. Yes. You so, put take it directly from their library and put it onto your battlefield. Yeah, the That's exile. Gain control is really what you're looking for. So even something like Aether Snatch, uh, not a too common card, so let me read it. It's a four blue blue instant. Gain control of target spell. You may choose new targets for it. So a spell on the stack, if you gain control of it, they'll actually get that back hmm. if you die uh, because you have gained control of it, regardless of whether that was on the battlefield, on the stack, doesn't matter. Interesting. Yeah, which I would probably get that wrong if I didn't just do research for this. <laughs> so, so what happens? So if you gain control of like a draw spell and you've drawn, they don't get that though. No, because on resolution, right. that would just go to the graveyard. But any like permanent spell sure, sure, sure. or anything if like that, they would get back. If you gain control of a crater hoof or something. Yeah, if you gain control of a creature, then they will get that creature back once they die. Because it says gain control. Yeah. But something like gather specimens, which is three blue, blue, blue. If a creature would come into play under an opponent's control this turn, it comes into play under your control this turn. Now, it is saying control, but it does not say gain control. Just so says you get it. You get it. It's a replacement effect, and those things would be exiled. You would not give them back. Um, so, again, this is one of those interesting corner case scenarios where what you do with the card greatly depends on the words on the card. Mm-hmm. Did the card that originally took it say gain control? If so, you give it back. Mm-hmm. If not, it's probably going to get exiled. Okay. And then after we've exiled everything else, so yep. their their battlefield and should everything should be empty right now. Mm-hmm. The turn continues through the remaining steps and phases if it's their turn. Yeah. So this is something that a lot of people do get wrong because they'll say, hold on, hold on. Before they die, uh, I want to do something before it comes back to my turn. Right. Uh, let me do this one thing. You don't actually have to do that. You can still yeah. do that on their end step because the rest of their turn will exist mm-hmm. just with no active player. And you yeah. can still activate abilities and respond to the steps and phases changing yeah just with one fewer player just with one fewer player exactly okay so let's go through this one more time because there's a lot in them in the middle so a player gets knocked out yes they're the stuff they own is exiled so all of the stuff on the all of their cards on their board or on their opponent's board yep gone yep just removed from the game entirely then if they have gained control of anything during the game, yes. specifically, yes. that is returned to the owner of that spell. Yes. Back under their control. Okay. Then everything else then, is exiled. <laughs> yeah, now I have a question. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what happens uh-huh. if you gain control, let's say, of like a creature that didn't belong to the owner? Like if if somebody had if somebody had a grave titan, it wasn't their grave titan. Okay, so let so Jimmy is is dying. 
I had a Grave Titan. You yeah. stole a Grave Titan from me. Jimmy stole it from you. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy dies. Yeah. That's Where does the Grave Titan return? Yeah, I'd have to double check uh, if the rule says return under its owner's control. Or its previous controller's yeah. control. Or all gain control effects end. I think it says all gain control effects end. End, but so it would return to you. Yes. However, <laughs> please look that up before you take my word as yeah. gospel. Got him. Got him. Okay, I don't know everything. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, uh, even still, like, yeah. there's so many intricate rules of Commander that we still get tripped up. Like, we've right. been playing Commander for years, and we're like, All I, the don't, time. I don't exactly know how that works. But on your roads to becoming a better Magic player is playing more and more Magic and just learning more and more about the game. Mm -hmm. And I think that's understanding and realizing like what these scenarios can do for you will help you to become a better magic player and help you navigate these scenarios in a much more strategic way. Yeah. And a lot of the things we talked about actually helps you navigate like judge websites. Yeah. When you find yourself in, in a situation where you're like, I don't know what to do yeah. and you're trying to search cards and be like, how do these interact? I don't know. And then you get to a judge website and they're like, well, app nap happens. And then yeah. this, and you're like, well, what is that? <laughs> I don't know. And now you're looking up app nap and yeah. you're so the more you can learn about how things interact, the more confidently you can play, mm -hmm. the more like the fewer bickering that will happen in your play group where you're like, I don't think that's how it happens. Well, that's how it happens. I know because yeah. my brother said. Um, yeah. Overall, the goal is to play a better game of Commander mm -hmm. and have more fun. And it's really all that any of us are looking to do. Yeah. So if there's, you know, if there's a rule that you guys don't play by or you have a special rule, that's fine in yeah, your own play group. As long as you like have some awareness of the general rules and can apply them. Yeah. Just talk to your play group. Good for you. Have fun. You're the best. Yeah. Uh, to the listeners, what rules do you frequently struggle with? Is there one that you keep coming back to and being like, I don't know. Yeah. I've checked it three times and it's different every time. Yeah. And put them down in the comments below because I yeah. really want to see like what other things people are running up against. Yeah. Maybe we'll do another episode. Yeah. Uh, and has your playgroup been getting any of these rules wrong? How have you been doing it in the past? Hope this is helpful to you. Uh, don't get too bogged down in the rules. It's all just for fun. Uh, if we talked about any crazy rules interactions that you're like, you know what? I want a bribery. <laughs> I, I love bribery. I'm an agent of treachery. I love I want to <laughs> resolve these messy, messy spells that we talked about today please go to cardkingdom.com slash command to pick up any and all singles and sealed product uh that you want in your magic life they have great selections of singles you can get it in the right printing you can get it in the right quality and also a sealed product if you haven't picked up some of the cool uh, all will be one cards yet we're getting upon that time where they're going to be at the perfect cheap moment mm -hmm. you can pick up all of the commons and uncommons that you've been looking for i'm going to go get some unnatural restorations Please. for me uh so go to cardkingdom.com slash command you'll be buying all the magic cards that you already want and you'll be supporting command zone and uh people like murph oh. and me yeah. and josh and jimmy <laughs> that's cool you love we, us all probably we were, hopefully hopefully you're hopefully. here yeah uh and you can also support the show by picking up the best magic accessories in the biz with ultrapro.com slash command ultrapro has some of my favorite uh, magic accessories because they have the licensed art because they have the art that we know and love so much plus they also get access to secret layer arts mm -hmm. so they'll do these like really quick drops where oh, if yeah. you're paying attention to the website you can get the like these super cool uh, limited edition play mats where they had like flipped they had double-sided Transformers playmats. Mm -hmm. They did the like foily Nils Ham playmats. Oh, yeah. uh, they 
there's more to come. So make sure that you are subscribed to the newsletter so you can stay up to date on what is on the ultrapro.com website. Uh, you can also pick up Ultra Pro products in your game store. But of course, if they don't have the color you're looking for, or the size, their website is a great place to go. Ultrapro.com slash command. All right, that is our episode. But first, before we go, we're going to talk about one thing outside the world of magic that we love. Uh, what, do, what do you got, Murph? All right. So something that I've really been enjoying recently is... Oh, I love the show and tell. <laughs> Show and tell time. Oh, God. What is this? <laughs> it's a monstrosity. <laughs> Original Xbox. If you're watching the video version of this, you can see mine right here. This one's not quite what an original Xbox looks like. Mine's been hard modded. It's got like a screen on it, USB ports and everything. Um, it's got like a 250 gigabyte hard drive in it, mm -hmm. which was huge at the time, I promise. Um, <laughs> so you can just like burn games onto this thing. But I've just been really enjoying this console recently because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people will fondly remember like the PlayStation 2, the GameCube. And I think that those systems are very much worthy of the praise that they get because they are very, very good. That being said, I think the Xbox is a little bit underrated. Yeah. Uh, it has some excellent games Ooh. that I've been enjoying. A I'm full stack. I want to see. So one of my favorite racing games, Burnout 3 Takedown. Um, <laughs> it's basically you race and you legitimately try to crash people. Very fun. <laughs> if you like arcade racers, Burnout 3, excellent. Yeah. Panzer Dragoon Orta. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Panzer Dragoon series. Yeah. If you like rail shooters... Uh, like Star Fox 64 something like this mm -hmm. Panzer Dragoon Panzer Dragoon excellent cool. choice excellent game you fly game. on a dragon and shoot stuff you fly on a dragon and shoot stuff what that rules you expect <laughs> like if you like fantasy you like magic like Panzer Dragoon oh so good pretty fun Star Wars Battlefront 2 um, this is also on the PS2 but it runs way better on the Xbox because the Xbox is a bulking behemoth of a system um, <laughs> yeah I've had many a fun nights just jamming this game with friends mm -hmm. uh, we all come over we'll play the space battles and whatever uh, become Jedi, all sorts of stuff. Love that. <laughs> Time Splitters games, uh, two and Future Perfect, both greats. Uh, if you like GoldenEye era shooters, but don't like the way that they control because they don't control that great anymore, um, these are excellent games for that. All I can see is a monkey on the back. And then, does he have a gun? <laughs> he does have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and then this one. <gasps> this is Magic: The Gathering Battlegrounds. What is this? So this is the one that I wanted to talk about the most. Uh, this is a very, very interesting game, um, published by Atari in like 03 or something like that. And it's Magic the Gathering based. So it's not actually Magic the Gathering. Uh, you have two people each on the side of an arena and it's a lot more real time mm -hmm. combat, but it still uses a card like system in order for you to be able to cast your spells and it drops like mana crystals on the ground and you go and pick them up and everything. Uh. And stuff like that. So, so you're actually a planeswalker with like you're basically a planeswalker. I bought this game because I was just looking for Magic: The Gathering based stuff, and mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that'll be cute and fun. Yeah. And I actually started playing it. It's pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the deepest game in the world, yeah. or for that matter, the best game in the world. But man, I, I do think that it is a good time. Something that people have definitely just kind of forgotten about because mm -hmm. it's just a Magic: The Gathering spinoff for the original Xbox. I think it had a PC port too, but. Yeah, overall, would recommend this game Fun. quite a bit if you are looking for something Magic the Gathering related. But not Magic the Gathering. But not Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I suppose I kind of lied. That's oh, inside we, the world yeah, of Magic. Yeah, kind of lied when we're said outside Murph, the world of drifted. Magic. You drifted. You drifted back. Not this one. Not, not this one. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't doing that. 
<laughs> Thank you so much for kind of taking the time and uh, walking us through some of the rules today. Yeah. I really appreciate it. No worries. Um, we also have a huge team here at the Command Zone that when you use our affiliate links, when you join our Patreon, you support this team uh, making amazing stuff all the time. So please uh, give a big thank you to our amazing team here at the Command Zone. Craig Blanchett, Damon Lentz, Arthur Meadowcroft, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Jake Boss, Jordan Pridgen, Sam Waldo, Garav Galati, Jamie Black, Mitch Trafford, Evan Lemberger, Gabriel Pozos, Megan Yip, Eric Clem, Josley Quiet, Jimmy Wong. Why don't we put that alphabetically? I don't know. I like this one. <laughs> I like this way, Murph. Don't switch it around. This is how I say it. You do say it like that, yeah. <laughs> Lots of people. Love them all. Thank you so much for watching. We really appreciate it. Hope this episode helped, and uh, stay tuned to hear more magic talk from the command zone. Yep. See you next time. Bye. Bye. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.